What's up, everybody? I'm Brett L. Pate. That's Coach Bruce. And this is the Coach Approach. Stay on. Coach, I don't know. I'm looking at your situation right now. I got to tell you, I'm a little worried because it looks like you're in a hotel. Is everything good? You haven't got the boot at the home? Everything's fine? No, but ironically enough, so I'm out here in Dallas, cowboy country, seeing some customers, and uh, I get a, a call in my room today. I'm like, ah, it's odd. I'm like, you know, pick up the phone. They're like, hey, uh, Mr. Bruce, are you staying Another night? I'm like, yes. And I booked the hotel for Monday through Thursday. He goes, no, he goes, you booked it through Wednesday. You were supposed to check out a couple hours ago. And I'm like, oh, really? So let me come down and get another get another night. And he's like, oh, okay, no problem. Come on down. I'm like, ah, there we go. But here I am in the hotel room. I don't have my, my microphone. I don't have my bourbon, which I feel naked. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But things are good, man. Well, good, man. Good. I'm glad that it isn't the alternative. As uh, I went down that route, a couple of times. But aside from that, week seven is here. And today news broke that there's a strong possibility that the Miami trade with the Houston Texans is going to go down. And then you're going to see Deshaun Watson head to Miami. Uh, my first reaction when hearing this is, or my reaction the entire time throughout this has been going on with him is that why are you going to give up anything for a guy who has um, impending legal issues? I think we're up to 22 lawsuits. And to me, I, I can't see myself mortgaging the future for a guy that I don't know is going to be able to play in the future. I, I, I don't get this trade. I, I don't get the timing. And it seems uh, as if it's a pretty quick uh, – Pretty quick hook on Tua, but even if that's even if Tua was terrible, I'd rather have that situation than the Deshaun Watson situation right now. You know, I, I think it's tough, and I, I'm like you. I, I if I'm an NFL GM, and somebody posted on Twitter today, you know, hey, if you were an NFL GM, you had an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson, and you had to trade Tua for a first. You know, is it something you would do? And right away, and all off season, I mean, I don't have Deshaun Watson on a single league. I'm in thirty something leagues. I didn't draft him in any startups. The one team I had him on, I traded him away. And I, I just would not, as an NFL GM, want to take something on. And first of all, you're saying you missed on Tua, which I think is tough. And you're trying to build something in, in Miami. I like the direction Miami was going under Brian Flores up, up through this season. that They've had some issues. But, you know, you're basically saying we, we've got it wrong with Tua. And we're going to give away a first. And with the roster they built, which I thought they've done a pretty good job, you have a first-round pick next year to add to that. We already have some pieces. I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't touch it. And, and I don't want to play judge and jury. I don't think anybody should. There's a lot of information that we don't know uh, in, in the public. But I just, no, nah, I mean, let that play out. Let's see where it ends up. And at that point, if he's, if he's a guy that's going to be able to play in the NFL and, and play soon, 
then, you know, maybe it's something you take a look at. But based on what we know right now, I, I wouldn't touch him. Yeah, I, I just can't. I, I don't know. It, apparently it's going to happen. And, and it's it's from every indication, it's owner driven. This is not a GM yeah. or a coach trying to make this move. It's an owner who is, and rightfully so, he's probably tired of losing and not competing for a uh, championship. But I don't know, man. It seems like a road that I certainly wouldn't go down. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, if you can look at Ben Roethlisberger and what happened with, you know, Ray Rice. And, and there's other examples of domestic situations or things that have gone on. But this this is next level and in terms of the allegations. And, again, not playing judge and jury, but it just seems when you got 22 different people saying that something similar happened to them, that that's a rabbit hole that I just don't want to jump down when I'm trying to build a franchise and try to try to build a winner and, and – and, and compete in a very difficult division, you know, with, with New England. And, and I just wouldn't do it. You know, I just, yeah. there's nothing yeah. about the upside of Deshaun Watson based on what we know right now, what he's dealing with, that makes you want to bring that into the locker room. And as a head coach, have to answer questions every single day about Deshaun Watson and, and not focusing on the game plan for the next opponent. It, it's a distraction. It's not something that I want to work, want to, want to deal with. I, I would be as far away from that as I could get, even if I don't believe in Tua. I just I wouldn't touch it. Right. We could talk all day about this and, and on yeah. why we don't think it's a very uh, prudent move to make at this time without knowing exactly what's going to happen. But let's move on. I, I um, Going back to last week, one game in particular that really kind of I was really impressed with the fortitude of the Tennessee Titans. Um, early on, they were struggling to do much of anything, and yet every opportunity Buffalo had in the first half, it seemed like all they were coming away with was field goals, and uh, Tennessee just kind of stayed around. And, and you know, the guy that everybody loved to hate in the offseason, I shouldn't say love to hate, but would tell you that he doesn't catch enough passes for him to be someone that you want to continue to roster would be Derek Henry, but he continues to lead that team, and that was a hell of a victory they had over Buffalo. You know, it's crazy. It's one of those games where you go, if you're Buffalo, it's like, hey, Tennessee's not playing as well as they should. We've got a great opportunity. I picked Buffalo to go to the, the uh, Super Bowl and represent the AFC, you know, against Tampa Bay. I still hold true to that prediction. But uh, this is one of those games where you got to see Tennessee from the playoffs and uh, what they did in the playoffs a couple of years ago and get to see Derrick Henry. And you're right. It's like A.J. Brown's the new Derrick Henry, right? All offseason was like, yeah, Derrick Henry, at some point, you know, the wheels are going to fall off, the workload. You know, it just I'm out. You know, I'm not going to take his ADPs way too high. And yet here he is, 20 carries, 143 yards. He's leading the league in the NFL and rushing by almost 200 yards uh, compared to the next closest guy, which I think is Zeke Elliott or Dalvin Cook. There's a, I think it's crazy, only a couple yards there. And then, but you look at now, you look at AJ Brown, and you're starting to see all over Twitter and the guys talking about, hey, is AJ Brown even worth a first right now, or is he worth two firsts? Like, what's the value of AJ Brown? It's like, hey, pump the brakes. We're five games in. The talent is obvious. We saw what he did last year. He's going right. to be there. He was even sick going into this game, was taking IVs before the game, and I think even at one point went into the tent during the game, uh, and he came back out in the second half and ends up with seven catches for 91 yards and played a pivotal role in that game, and I think you're starting to see hopefully Ryan Tannehill start to put some a little bit together. He's certainly off to a slow start, but I still think Tennessee can can make some noise, You know whether, whether they, they can get into the playoffs after a slow start remains to be seen, but that's a tough matchup every week. You've got to stop Derrick Henry, you know, and, yeah. and he's, he looks as good as ever. He's on pace to, 
break the NFL single season rushing record. He's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. He never stops. That 76 yard run. Holy smokes. He split two DBs 20 yards down the field and was never touched. And speaking, the, I, got, I, I hate to go back, but I'm going to only because my phone's sitting right here and a report just came from the athletic breaking news here on the coach approach that um, Deshaun Watson has other suitors as well. Not only yeah. are the Dolphins uh, talking, um, but the Panthers and Eagles apparently are in the mix now. And uh, we may not understand it, but apparently it's going to happen. So that, that's crazy to think of as far as investing up whatever they're going to have to invest. But we'll move on. And here's Cam Newton. Cam Newton still sitting out there, still available. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. He did, go, he did go get the shot. Um, yep. And he's he had talks with Seattle. So, you know, whether or not whatever side of the fence um, you are on the shot, the reality of it is, is that if you do not have that in the NFL, you're almost unhireable. So uh, I, I uh, wouldn't expect him to be unsigned for uh, the entire season. Bye weeks, man. This is a tough week for buys. If you got guys that are fan, I mean, we all have fantasy relevant guys with top, the top buys we're talking about. We got Buffalo, who probably needs it after last week. Yeah. Dallas, holy smokes, it was nice to see uh, C.D. Lamb. A lot of us have C.D. Lamb as the uh, dynasty uh, top five wide receiver. I'd say top three. Um, it was nice to see him go off. Pittsburgh's uh, sitting this week out, as are the Chargers, Jacksonville, and Minnesota. I don't need much help struggling to put lineups together. And seeing this week's buys, uh, I'll take a look at it tomorrow morning um, because I knew it was going to be depressing. But this is a tough week for uh, putting together some lineups. Yeah, I think outside of Jacksonville, I think most of us would be like, hey, Jacksonville's got to buy a week. Who cares? Uh, LaVisca Chanel's not doing what we thought he would do. You know, Marvin Jones trying to come on a little bit, Trevor Lawrence. Unless you're in a two-quarterback league or super flex and you don't have a third quarterback, then it might be a little bit more concerning. But most of us probably have a better option than Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback anyway. But, yeah, I mean, that, there's a lot of talent. I, mean, I can't tell you how many teams I've got Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, or I've got Josh Allen and Dawson Knox, um, who now, you know, potentially could be hurt a little bit. But, Right. I mean, you go across those teams, it's like, man, you, I mean, those are rosters that are good offensive rosters, they're stacked. Um, if you play, especially if you went zero running back, you probably have a few of those receivers, you know, on one roster, and those guys are all sitting. So it, it's, you kind of keep calling it earlier a bipocalypse, which I thought was a great way of putting it. That's what it feels like. I mean, you're scrambling to put lineups together to try to get on the waiver wire to try to make some last minute trades. And um, I try to make a trade for, uh, you know, to get CD Lamb. Um, one of my rosters, I'm sorry, Amari Cooper on one of my rosters because um, he's in a bye week. I'm like, hey, now's the time I, maybe I can get him and, and match him up with Dak Prescott and the other guys. And I offered uh, Justin Jefferson, but I was also going to get Jarvis Landry. And, and I think I, I was like a third or fourth round pick. And I was just trying to get another Dallas Cowboy on my roster stack with Dak. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, ah, you know, why not? And he's like, oh, that guy, Justin Jefferson's got a bye week, too. I'm like, damn. You know, it's like everybody's on bye week this week. You know, you got J.J. Unbelievable. And you talked about you talked about Jacksonville. Uh, you know, Robinson is a guy that he's startable every week, and um, yes, and so, so that's one guy. Kind of think you missed on it, and he hurts because with all the running backs that have been hurt this year, and, and with him, 
man, he's been a pleasant surprise for a, a lot of people like me who had him on a lot of teams only to see them invest first round draft pick on Travis Etienne. Um, so, man, he's been neat and he's, he's produced. He's, he's been everything he was last year without. He's not getting a lot of the volume out of the passing game that he got last year, but he's still someone that I'm thankful that I get to uh, put in every week. So he's going to hurt me a little bit. Yeah, I've got some shares of James Robinson, and I had a couple of trade offers in the offseason. Uh, a lot of people saying, hey, but, you know, at that point, it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to sell low. They, brought, they just brought in Travis Etienne. The hype was there. They felt like, you know, Etienne was going to be a guy that was going to play that Swiss Army knife role, line up in the backfield, line up in the slot comes with the receiving pedigree. And I held on to my shares of James Robinson because I'm also big on handcuffing other teams running backs as opposed to my own. So I held, I held on to all the James Robinson shares that I had. And look, here we are, you know, six games in the season. He's averaging five and a half yards of carry. He's at almost 500 yards rushing, five touchdowns in five games. And an offense that's struggling to move the, move the football. He's the, he's the guy that you want to have and you want to roster on that lineup right now. So I have – I have no problem with, with the James Robinson truthers that are out there. And, and I think there's a lot, lot to be said for what he's done as an undrafted free agent now in his second year. And he's, he's doing it again. He's pretty, he's only got one game yeah, over hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. He's never had a game with more than 18 carries. So he's not like, he's getting a workhorse workload. He's not getting Derrick Henry volume, you know, or Dalvin cook volume. He's getting 15 to 17 carries a game. And he's maximizing those opportunities. It's funny. I'm sitting here getting upset at you for not mentioning the fact that he's not going to be available this week. And yet I put him on the trade block and offered, uh, I traded away last year in a horrendous deal that we won't mention, but I traded my, it's one quarterback home league, been in it forever. Um, And I traded away my first rounder in the rookie draft. And when I did so, um, never thought that, you know, I was going to, I made a bunch of trades throughout the year. So all of a sudden now I'm in a rebuild. Well, it's tough when you're in a rebuild and you don't have your own first round pick for the next year. It's almost counterintuitive. So I offered up James Robinson in my one quarterback league to a team that I believe they should be a contender um, for, for their, for my first round pick back. Currently I sit in standings, uh, I'm first in my division, and I have an opportunity to win it. Um, but that being said, um, so you're looking at what side are you taking there, James Robinson or possibly pick seven through ten in one quarterback rookie draft next year? Well, I, I think when it comes to running backs, like I, I'm a big wide receiver guy. You know, I don't tend to take, you know, I don't take two, three running backs all the time early in drafts. So I like to, you know, maybe go hero running back, get a really good stud early, and then come back around later and, and really, you know, put a good tight end, some wide receivers together. But I, James Robinson, to me, again, I'll reiterate what I what I said a little bit ago. Uh, if it's a late first-round pick, I like James Robinson. I mean, again, it always comes down to roster construction and what you have. But if I know it's going to be a late first because my team is winning and I feel like, hey, I'm trading away a late first, uh, there, a lot of people tell you the running back depth of the 2022 draft isn't deep. I don't necessarily agree with that. But give me a guy who's in the NFL – in his second season, uh, way outperformed expectations in 2020, and now here he is again with ET and injury, outperforming expectation. I would take James Robinson in that trade. You know, I think it's it's, it's I have I'll always take a proven commodity at the NFL level, and and I always love it when people say you have a draft capital. Well, how many years in a row are we going to use draft capital? Mm-hmm. Right? 
He's now in his second year. Tell me not to this year Yeah, this isn't year one. This is year two, and he's already proven. He's the guy. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with something that's known versus a guy I'm going to get at nine or ten, which means he's not even one of the best three or four running backs in that draft, which means he's probably going to be a guy that's a fourth, fifth-round draft pick. Give me James Robinson. All right. Well, I appreciate the input on that. And let's move on. Let's hope that he, uh, uh, that my uh, league mate isn't watching and uh, I can change that deal prior to uh, or after the show's over. Let's move on to week seven, man. We got a couple games kicking off tomorrow night. Is there a team more beat up than Cleveland? And they got to go in tomorrow. Um, and they're hosting Denver, both three and three. Uh, three weeks ago, you would have never imagined Denver or uh, Cleveland being in the spot. Um, Denver might be a surprise if they're three and three because they've won three great games, but you got a team without Baker, Chubb, and Hunt going against Denver. What do you think about that one? Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's, it's one of those games that look, Case Keenan was that savvy veteran. He's that guy that doesn't have to be out there getting reps as the one to be effective in a start in a spot starter or a starter for a few weeks. He's proven he can come in, he can sling the rock, he can play, he can get mental reps in practice and be able to take that into game action. So I, I do think and he, he, there's, look, there's some weapons there. I, I get that Hunt and those guys are out as far as the running back room goes. You're, you're, you got Dearness Johnson, you got Demetri Felton. So I think you could line up both the backfield. Maybe one of those guys are Nick Chubb or, or Kareem Hunt. So let's not, let's not be mistaken there. They're still going to have to throw the football, but, and Teddy B is exactly – he started out the season playing better than I thought he would. He's never surpassed, I think, 15 touchdown passes in a single season. So I was not a big advocate of a decision to go with Teddy B. I felt like, hey, let's give Drew Locke. You know, it was his rookie season. He can make all the throws. Let's fix the six inches between his ears. But they made the choice to go with Teddy B. It seemed like a great choice. But now you're starting to see that Teddy B come out that is struggling a little bit. So – I think I still think Cleveland's got a better roster, you know, up and down that roster when when they're healthy. But I think this is a game that that I still pick Cleveland to win, just because I think Case Keenan was a guy that can step in and play well. Um, and I think that they're 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 well coached. Um, I'll take Kevin Stefanski even at his young age, as far as NFL experience, over Vic Fangio uh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Is there any more? Oh man, I got a terrible. Idea. Who are you starting these games? You playing everyone fantasy relevant? Yeah. I try to get, I was thinking I was telling you earlier, I try to get Case Keenum in a trade in a two quarterback league that I'm in uh, because I've got my other quarterback, the Dak Prescott on bye week. So I've got Ryan Tannehill and then I had to throw in Andy Dalton because it's the only other quarterback I have. So I'm trying to make a trade with Case Keenum to get him for a spot start. And of course, the guy I'm playing has Case Keenum. She's like, "Yeah, I'm not starting this week, but I know that you need him, and I'm not trading him without you know a lot of value." <laughs> so I do think Case Keenum in a superflex or in a team, he's worth the waiver wire ad because I do think he's a guy, like I said, that can show up and, and play. Now, am I starting him over a Ryan Tannehill type back type quarterback, depending on the matchups? No, but if I need to put Case but, Keenum. With all these yeah. buys, if you have a Prescott, if you have a Cousins, if you have any of them, I mean, even Lawrence, you're going to have to put somebody in there. So I agree. I mean, if you got to use them, you got to use them. For Denver, I'm going with Sutton. I'm playing Williams. I'm playing Fan. And, I mean, I don't think much changes. Again, we talk about start situations or start sit. This week, man, just put in a lineup and be happy that you were able to. 
And it's one of those weeks where people talked about uh, the Ernest Johnson. It was like, hey, if you're trying to get him away, like how much money are you going to spend to pick him up this week? I'm like, the, the proper move would have been to pick him up last week, knowing that Cleveland likes to go running back by committee. And we already knew that Nick Chubb's going to miss a little bit of time. That would have been the time as a late, you know, waiver for nothing to put him on. A, if you've got a deep roster to put him on your roster, if you've got guys on IR and you've got roster routes available, that was the time to pick him up not to spend 30% of your fab on a guy that might start for a week or two and we don't know how involved he's going to be. So, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are going to overspend on fab this week for a guy like Dearness Johnson or, you know, Demetrius Felton at least has some upside. He's, he's a rookie and he's got some upside. Sure, so you got to, I, I get that. He should. Yeah. So let's move on. We got two more games we want to talk about before we bring on the great Jeff Bell. Um, Cincinnati at four and two at Baltimore, five and one. So, I mean, fantasy-wise, there's not anyone I'm sitting. If I have Higgins, I'm playing him. If I have anybody of relevance, I'm playing him this week. This should be a fun game. Look, and hey, it, it is bye week, but Rashad Bateman. Play Rashad Bateman. If you've got a spot, don't be afraid to four catches for 29. So if you're a guy that just reads the stat sheet and didn't actually watch the game, uh, he had six targets, caught four balls, went for only 29 yards, that used him in the short game. Um, we joked around about calling 13 yard outs earlier, make a little joke about his, his route tree in that game. But yeah, it was limited, but first game action, he's a guy I think is going to see, could see eight to 10 targets in this, this game this week, you know? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm completely confident starting everybody. Mark Andrews, obviously Lamar Jackson, you go to the other side of the ball. There's not anybody that I'm not starting either, especially on a week where you got so many guys out on the bye. Right. Cincinnati, are you kind of surprised with the four and two start? I am a little bit. I am a little bit. Uh, I can't remember my prediction was, but I think I had them at seven and nine. So I think I had them a little bit better than other, some other people did. But, you know, four and two, I expected them to get better in the second half. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know, we talked about him in the preseason and the drops, which I always hate when people talk about drops for receivers, especially when it's the preseason. Uh, yeah, but I can promise you this, Coach. Yeah. You never got frustrated when people talked about drops when you were a wide receiver coach. Because there's nothing more frustrating than drops when you're a wide receiver coach. Because you work on that all the time. Yeah, there was never a time in practice where I let my wide receiver stand around and watch the kick, the, the punt team or kickoff team. We were on the side running routes and and doing those things and putting work in. The goal was to catch 100 balls a, a day in practice. So you certainly shouldn't drop balls. But the reality is, hey, these guys are human. It happens. Uh, sure. But, no, I'm excited, man. There, there, there are some – there's not a lot of great matchups this weekend, but there's certainly some good ones. Let's move on to the last one before we bring Jeff on. Let's talk about the Chiefs, who are sitting at three and three. Can't believe they're in a must-win situation versus the Titans, who just had a great win over everybody's favorite, the Buffalo Bills. This is one of those games where you know Andy Reid's a little upset, Patrick Mahomes is a little upset, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, the leaders of that that team and understanding what the goal is. And you can't get to a point where you go three and four. And this is one of those games. If Kansas city can get off to a fast start, which they haven't been doing, it's going to come back down again. Is Tennessee built to come from behind? Can they put points up and score quick? It's one of those games If Tennessee can control the clock. They can get Derrick Henry going. They can use that deep play action game. Tennessee's got enough, got a chance and they played really, really well last week and this is the type of Tennessee team I think we're expecting to see week in and week out so I think it's easy to say Tennessee can't stop a nosebleed defensively so I think you know you look at, at uh, Kansas City and, and this is probably the week with DFS that 
and, and Jeff can certainly talk about that where you might want to put a few people in, you know, on the Kansas City roster, and then you just got to find some, some, you know, some sleeper type guys to build that roster up. But yeah, it, this is one of those games. If Tennessee controls the clock, they have a chance, but, but I, I would not be surprised to see Kansas City throw the ball over the field. If Kansas City wins this week, I don't think we have anything to worry about. If Tennessee comes back and does what they did last week against Buffalo, then I think people should really start to worry about what's happening in Kansas City. With that being said, let's go ahead and let's move on. Uh, Coach, your favorite part, my favorite part, is when we get to bring on people who actually know what they're talking about. With that being said, why don't you introduce uh, our latest and greatest analyst. Who we got this week? So we've got Jeff Bell this week at For Whom J. Bell Tolls. Another gentleman I was fortunate enough to meet at the Fantasy Expo. Um, he's with Fantasy Pros. He does some Debbie NFL work um, at Football Guys at the Debbie Royale. He's one of, the, one of the funniest people in this space. He's one of the humblest people in this space. He's exactly the same way when you meet him in person. Jeff, man, welcome to the show, brother. Great to have you. Hey, thank you. That, that intro is too kind, and I'm so thrilled to be here. Happy to be here with you guys. I was honored to meet you at the Expo, and that was a great time. And it, gosh, it feels like that was five years ago by now at this point. But um, certainly, hopefully, we can do it again next year. Oh, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. We've already got a, a group of guys getting ready to go. So I've got a awesome. bunch of buddies that are going to come out again. So it'll be a good time. Yeah. I wasn't able to make it last year, but this past year, and I'll definitely make it next year. But one of the things that, and we're going to jump right into it. I hope you don't mind because yeah, I know you got a show and, and, and I got a Dodger game. I do, if anyone out there, I should not have brought it up. I could just wait and see. We'll finally have a comment and it'll be Dodgers losing five, nothing, but we'll move on from that. But one of the things we really like to get into, and I think this is because, um, well, for me, I, I want to learn. I want to get better. So when you talk to analysts, I, I kind of want to know how they're able to put themselves out there and say, here's my top whatever. Here's here's the best Debbie guys. So with that being said, the best way to learn is to be able to ask those type of questions. Describe your process. Are you, are you a film guy? analytic guy we had the great pleasure of talking to daddy's home um and he talked about he was really a tea leaf, a tea leaf reader uh, how were you able to unapologetically or whatever you want to call it throw out something and, and feel comfortable doing so I, I think i would start as a film guy you know i've i grew up I live in Ohio and in Ohio football is in your blood. And I've been around the sport since I was very young. So I've, I've watched 30 plus years of football, like going back and, and, you know, every Saturday, every Sunday, consuming as much football as I possibly can. Uh, the primetime games during the week too. So that would be my starting point would be film. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, I, I admit I could probably be much better from a coach aspect of watching film. Um, I've done like, I was the kid that I, I always kept stats. Like when I was in, I was always the smallest, slowest kid. And I had a couple of concussions. And so my football career was very short, but I was always the kid that was helping the coaches just because I loved football that much. Um, sure. And then I've done a little bit of coaching with like youth, but other than that, I haven't, I haven't been in your guys' position at all like that, but um, certainly I've been around the game like almost my entire life. I've had, I had an uncle that was a high school coach. And so I, I've been in and around it. And so I start with film. I do enjoy numbers. I would love to get more in the analytical side. Um, it's it's tough for me 
outside, like not having that base, because one, I, I am, I mean, I'm a CPA and so numbers are my language uh, and, but it's one of those that I haven't developed it yet in the football sense. And that's my goal here for this upcoming through the season, through the upcoming off season to improve that process on that side. Um, you know, I, I can relate to Mike too. And, you know, Sigmund Bloom's a guy that I really look up to and respect a lot yeah. of face and, and he's the mayor of narrative street. And so I, I'm, when I'm, I'm looking at fantasy, when I'm looking at NFL, that's where I kind of land what, on who I'm going with in fantasy on narrative street, basically on, on who's, who's, you know, in that contract year or who's played really well, has got the coaches talking about them and ready to step up that, that the guy has in front of them is cleared out. Because I think the reality of if you're boil fantasy down to its essence, what we're really looking for is guys that we know are going to be on the field, touching the ball in hopefully in games where the score is going to be advantageous, but we all know that there's a level of variability to this game that we play. And there's a level of, you know, some people say luck, but I kind of tend to believe that in fantasy you make your own luck. But it does boil down to, you know, is this running back going to be in line for 20 touches or is this a guy that I'm – am I playing the satellite back and I'm not sure if the game script's going to go in the favor and if Naeem, if Naeem, Naeem Hines, for example, is going to touch the ball six times. You, you know, it's just one of those that you try to make your own luck. You try to look at scheme. You try to look at who is going to be put in the best positions. But – um, when it comes to fantasy, it, it is just watching a lot of football. I watch Red Zone. I, I watch as much. I watch the games afterwards. I've got DirecTV, the Game Pass, so I watch the condensed games afterwards. And so I try to watch as much as I possibly can. You know, having having another career and having a family doesn't make that the easiest at times. No, but, um, no. There's no, a reason why. One of the things I always bring up, and Kevin's a guy, and obviously you're a big fan of Kevin, is. Uh, the two of you have your show together, the great show on the cut called The Dead. Oh, yes. Um, but I, I always I, I gotta go. How where do you find the time? I mean, I realize I'm a family man. I realize not everybody has eleven children like I do, but at the same time, once you're like once you have one kid, there's not that big of a difference. I mean, yes. it's busy life. So where are you finding the time to do all this? Because we haven't even began to scratch the surface in what you do. We'll get into the Debbie side, the college football side here in a few minutes, but I can't imagine when you're able to do it all. You make time. You I don't, and you try your best. I mean, it's, it's all a balancing act. And I think that we all can all, I don't know, we're, we're all stretched very thin that are in these types of shoes. And I think that we all should, if you're not recognizing it in other people, I think that we do do a pretty good job of recognizing that in other people. Um, I'm pretty fortunate. So, we have the baby. So the baby's the baby. You put the baby down, the baby naps. And the, that was uh, recent. So congratulations. So thank you very much. So that's number three. Number two, I get a little bit of a break there because she usually naps at like 1230, 1 o'clock. And so Sundays she goes down at 1 o'clock. And so I've got a window where the oldest kind of plays quietly. And so the early games on Sundays, I can dive in and I can just watch all those on red zone. Once you get in the afternoon window, that can be a little bit more difficult because, <laughs> you know, they're starting to break down. You get into sure. it's bedtime for them, dinner time for the family and those type of things. So those are kind of the games that I'll catch the end of them live and then kind of go back and make sure I catch them. And, and it's really just, you know, if, if you want it bad enough, you'll find the time and, and sure. be able to do that. So, um, it's it's hard to it's a balancing act, and I know I admittedly I can certainly do better in areas. Um, you know, there's 
this past weekend, it, it was the Bills were playing on Monday night. I'm a Bills fan. The Buckeyes had a bye. I'm a Buckeyes fan. And and so it was just one of those that, like, I needed to pump the brakes a little bit. And yeah. we did, like, uh, we, we have soccer on Saturday mornings. And so I unplugged then and I go do soccer with my daughter. And then, like, we did, we had a birthday party on Saturday afternoon. I took them to the pumpkin patch on Sunday, like, those type of things where you just, family comes first. And, and I think that sure. everybody needs to recognize that. So. You know, it's funny you say that. It, it, my wife is she can't stand football, right? She's it's, it's like my biggest passion, and, and like the thing that she just is like, I don't get it. Like it's especially when it comes to fantasy football. She's like, it doesn't even it's not even real. Like that's her always yeah. thing. I'm like, yeah. man, it's based on a real game. It's real. Like just, just quit messing with my passion. But but it's so yeah. funny because with her, she's like, hey, I know it's football season. She makes that joke. Hey, I'll see you in six months. But um, Saturdays become our family time. So for me, college football, I'll sneak games in when I can. Yeah. NFL, yeah. it's like especially now, you get up and you watch the London game early in the morning. Then you get you get really four different games throughout the day, plus what you're flipping back and forth through. But I know for me, sometimes it's watching a game, having the notebook out, I'll make some notes, and then I might go back and watch a play, almost like you did when you were coaching, yeah. using a huddle yeah. or something. You watch the same play over five or six or seven times. You're looking at line play. You're looking at, you know, what's the secondary doing. You're looking at different things. And, and so now I've learned to just, I'm just going to enjoy the game. I'll record the ones I'm really interested in, and I'll go back and watch those when I've got more downtime. So, man, hats off to you guys that, that find the time to not only do it, but do it at a very high level, man. I can tell you there's, there's, there's a million of us that appreciate everything you guys do. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and my wife is, you know, she is a saint and I'm very fortunate. She comes from her dad played football. Her brother played football. So she grew up around the sport too. And her best friend was married to a football player. So, you know, it's, it's being in Ohio. It's, it's one of those that, that it's just in your blood. Yeah. Right. Well, let's move on to the Debbie side and what I yeah. kind of want to get into that. And here, first and foremost, um, I dove into it this year because if you're on Twitter, you're gonna you're gonna finally drink the Kool-Aid because enough of you pour it all day, every day. So with that being said, what I really like about it as a fantasy player, because as I've said over and over again, I'm not an analyst, but what it does is it gives me exposure to people that I'm going to be picking up in rookie drafts a year from now, two years from now, whatever it may be. Um, is that kind of you kind of wanted to get into it for a leg up or how did you get into the college football aspect? Uh, college football is my passion. I mean, that's that's where, you know, I'm a Buckeye, and it's just one of those that it's it's in your blood, and especially being a Bills fan and having most of my formative life, the team was very bad. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was – it's – it's Buckeye football, it's college football. And so the, to add the fantasy aspect to it, it, it was just kind of the cherry on top. And it was one of those that I'm, I was watching the games anyways. Like I'm spending all Saturday flipping through. I watched the SEC games. I watch, you know, I watch everything. And so it was naturally wearing out the remote, like watching every game. And yeah. so to add the Debbie aspect, it was, it wasn't that big of a change for me just because I was, I'm always and I've been a huge NFL draft fan since before yeah, I should sure. have been like back when I was like in fifth or sixth grade. Like I was, I was one of those kids that like I would get in trouble in school one year. I got uh, this notebook that, or this uh, NFL yearbook from like 1996 or something like that, that had every single statistic, everything for the entire year. It's like this book, this thick. And I would get in trouble in school cause I would hide it under my desk and I'd be like looking at, at stats like all day, <laughs> all day long. It was just one of those things. And so, um, 
to, to add that already having that draft aspect to add fantasy to it it was just a natural fit and certainly um it's a space that i believe in that i believe that it's one of the if not the biggest growth areas in fantasy football just because i think it's not mainstream at all but it's the passion that's involved in college football and it's really just being able to get it out there and tap into it and and i believe that with the NIL that is now in and, and kind of the way that that sport's going, um, the potential, the, the return of the EA sports video game, I think is going to be kind of big. And and so as these things kind of transition and move in, it only seems natural that you're going to get to a point where you're going to have, and especially in Columbus, Tuscaloosa, places like that, you know, you're going to have these fantasy leagues that are going to pop up as it becomes more accessible. I think the biggest thing right now, one of the struggles is um, Fantrax is really the only site that uses it. And so just getting some of these bigger sites involved and kind of making it more accessible for people, I I think is where you're going to see a lot of the growth come out of it. Um, So seeing it as a growth area, seeing something that I believe in, something that I enjoy, um, and but you know, like you touched on, that Debbie is just so valuable when you're going to play dynasty leagues because oh, absolutely, you you know, you talk to so many people and and they're just kind of throwing out abstract concepts of like, oh, a second, sure, a second or a third, and it's like once you realize you're looking at these classes and you're like, okay, this is an eight player class, and like I have a good idea that this is going to be the one point twelve. Like it's yeah. one of those things that um, you're not. And and one of the things, like, I, I pushed back on my good friend Nate Povolt yesterday because he was talking about the Steelers. He was like, oh, they'll go in the draft and find a quarterback. And I was like, no, we don't do that. We don't say, we'll find a quarterback in the draft. Tell me a name. Like, tell me the player that you think that they can target to be able to do that because that's that's really where it is. That's taking that next step and, and not talking the abstract of that you can just use a draft pick and not find a quarterback. Like, no, there's there's two or three quarterbacks in the class you like. If you're going to be at the 17th pick, you're not going to be necessarily yeah. in a position yeah. to do that. So I think it's just taking that next step. I think when you can get Justin Fields, what was it, pick 15, where he oh, went? I mean, pick 11. I mean, certainly not it's not see it again. Yeah, yeah, but you're not going to see not that again. Lit the world yeah. on fire, but I think it's criminal. I think it's criminal if Falcons passed on him. To be honest with you, to, yeah, to be tight end. I just you don't build a team like that. Um, and so, no. and you're not in that position to draft very often. At least you don't want to be. So when no. you're there, it's like a free lottery ticket. Yeah, yeah, that, that's one that, and certainly it's not happened. Like you know, I. I was, he's my quarterback one in the class. I just think seeing him up close, seeing every single snap he took for Ohio state, seeing him in person, seeing the things that I I believe would translate to the NFL level. Um, I'm a little bit frustrated because it doesn't feel like he's being in, put in position to do those types of things. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those that it's in, it's what I don't know that everybody watches the games and that's the other frustrating thing, especially on Twitter, because it's like, it would be like, Oh, he's awful. And it's like, well, are you, are you watching what's happening? And, and not only that, it's not even not watching it, but it's understanding what's happening. And it's not understanding that players aren't being put in their best position necessarily. And so it's frustrating to see how the, the Chicago fickle, coaching staff is put fickle in. Twitter. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You know, my frustration is different. My frustration is that, I'm a long time. I'm used to my first round picks not giving me anything for a year or two. And I'm referring to fantasy rookie picks. So when somebody like, let give you an example, Zach Moss, say whatever you want about Zach Moss, but 
the numbers he put up as a rookie last year, if the year was 1995 and you had a rookie running back put up those type of numbers, you were pretty excited about his future. Today, everybody wants to tell you how anybody who doesn't come right out and do a Justin Jefferson isn't worth keeping. I have, you can say whatever you want about Adam Gase. Sooner or later, somebody is going to figure out how to use that talent and you know, he's going to be great. And aside from that, he's also there. The development does have to happen. So yeah. whether they're making terrible, you know, thematic decisions based on his abilities is irrelevant to the fact that he just needs to go see live NFL football for a while. You're exactly right. He needs to play. I mean, and you look at it, he didn't play his first year in Georgia. He had one full year at Ohio State, and then they had the COVID year. And you know, quarterback, I am a firm believer that quarterback, I want three, if not four years at the college level because you're just you're seeing so many different things that's happening and you're going with the ebb and flow in the game. And he was put in the position where reality is outside. 2019, they crushed everybody. I mean, it was just they didn't have a right. challenging game through the entire season until they got into the Clemson game. Things kind of went sideways. He, his performance was fine. It, it just, you know, it was he. Had, the guys around him didn't make plays, and that that game is one that will haunt me for the rest of my life because, it, you know, there's there were 45 different plays in that game. That one of those goes the other way, and they win that game, but they all went the wrong way. And then you look at last year, I mean, it was a COVID year and it was a mess. He only played half the season because that's all he got. And again, he wasn't pushed at all up until the Alabama game. And even then, if you look at the performance in the Alabama game, he played well. It was just that, you know, the defensive scheme, they've got tough Borland out there on Devontae Smith, and that's just not going to work. And so it was just one of those that he just never had a chance in that game. Um, so he's a guy that he just needs to, you're exactly right. He needs to play. Just, play. just keep playing and shut up, everybody. Yeah. Let the yeah. kid develop. All right, here's 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 if you were just on the street and I saw Jeff Bell, I go, hey, big fan. Uh, I hear I read people talking about the 22 classes in that great. Everyone's talking about how great the 23 class. Quickly, if you can, just give me your top three prospects from those two classes combined. Those two classes combined. Um, Correct. So, so John, John just over the next, give me an example. Am I going to make a trade for a 22 pick or should I wait and make a trade trying to get a 23 pick based off of, you know, who you think the top three guys are? Well, my opinion on that, I mean, Bijan Robinson's the clear number one between coming through these two classes. And so I think that really, and you look at the depth of the running back class, um, you know, some people might have uh, Jameer Gibbs as their number two back in next year's class or might have Zach Evans out of TCU as their guy. Um, so that there's there's it's really a question of do you need wide receivers or do you need running backs? And the way that I tend to build, I like to build my dynasty rosters. I like to have a narrow focus on wide receivers. Like I don't want. 15 wide receivers on my dynasty rosters. Like, you know, know, I want six, seven, eight guys that I can rely on. And so if I want a wide receiver that I, if I'm kind of deeper in a rebuilding mode, I'm fine with the 22 picks. And especially if they're going to be valued because of what's being said on the street, because you look at this class, you know, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I think he's, 
probably wide receiver one. Garrett yep. Wilson, I think he's such a technician. He reminds me of a lot of Keenan Allen. I, I think that okay. uh, he's coming in out of Ohio State. I'm a I'm a huge believer in Alave. It, it's just he's just so smooth, and you know, it's one of those. If you watch a lot of football, you can just see football players, and and I think Olave is just one of those guys that he's just a football player, and. and uh, Gosh, I'm blanking on who else do I want to go? David Bell out of Purdue is another one. So the 22 class, I feel more comfortable taking a wide receiver out of the 22 class. Running backs more shallow. You know, Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M is my top guy. Some people like Brees Hall, but he's kind of been a little bit iffy. Kenneth Walker's kind of gaining a lot of steam right now. And that's a guy that I comp to Michael Carter, kind of like when I watch him. And so he's a guy that I have questions if he – is going to be a feature role at the NFL versus kind of just one of these committee guys. Um, quarterback is, I think, is a little bit of a concern. I really like Matt Coral. He's grown on me a lot. Um, Malik Willis for fantasy is going to be the name that if he catches early draft capital and is in a good situation, he's probably going to end up being Superflex 101. Um, but when you're looking at the two classes combined, I think that Bajan Robinson's number one in, in the 23 class. And then I think that right now you probably have to go with Bryce Young out of Alabama as probably the second one that you're looking at there in the 23 classes, the top quarterback. And I think that Caleb Williams out of Oklahoma is going to be pushing him hard pretty quickly. And, and, you know, what we've seen, you know, people were off CJ Stroud early because he struggled, but he's really rounded about. And so it's, it's going to be kind of a wide open next year. And the wide receivers next year, the wide receivers aren't, Kayshawn Boutte was the guy that you were really waiting for. He got hurt. He hurt his Achilles. And so hopefully he's able to make a comeback. Um, and then the, the other guy would be Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State, I think, is showing what you want to see. Um, Johnston out of TCU is another one. Quentin Johnston is a, a very explosive wide receiver that will be in the 23 class. But it really – kind of boils down to where are you at the dynasty rebuilding process are you are you building your team and you're looking longer term and you want to put those pieces in place and then i would probably target more than 22 picks because if they're going to be devalued upon the conversation and i'm fine taking those wide receivers and especially if you're rebuilding take those wide receivers now and tank next year and get Bajan, and then all of a sudden right. you've got the wide receivers hitting year two you've got that depth built there you've got Bajan robinson popping right in who he could you know he's getting comp to the he's saying the best running back prospect since Saquon barkley yeah. and you know i i'm of the belief that right now when you look at the dynasty landscape of running backs i, I you know maybe some people say it's a hot take but i feel like value wise john robinson might be the dynasty wide receiver or wide receiver running back one right now Right. Yeah, just because perception and market value, but. Well, I think you hit on a good point too. You, you, we talk about 2022, you see it on Twitter all the time, not being as valuable as 23. And it's like, I can give up less to get a 22 as well. Right. So to your point, if I can build up on my receivers in 22 and then find ways to get, you know, a Bajan Robinson, who I'm a huge fan of, he played high school ball out here in Arizona. So I, I followed him all from his freshman The kid's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so I, I think that's a great point. Man, I, I'm stocking up on 22s while everybody else is, is you know, holding on to those 23s. It's like they, when you get multiple 22s, all of a sudden that draft class comes out. Now I've got the leverage to say, okay, I can bump up and get a 23 first because I've got more 22 first to give up to get it. If it plays out that way based on my roster construction and where I'm at in the draft and what I see the board doing and what's going on in the chatter, you might be able to take advantage of that. 
Yeah, and you guys know how rookie fever hits in Dynasty. Oh, yeah. You know, people can be down on this 22 class. As soon as they're going through the process, like, that's going to shock. That's going to shoot some. right Give back me some. Give me some picks, Give me, yeah. I want these rookies. Give me some. Um, but I do believe that when you're looking at the kind of – it kind of gets lost, and everybody's thinking, well, just blanket, a 23 is better than a 22. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with that because I, I kind of think in 23, you're really just buying Bajan lottery tickets is kind of what I'm viewing it as right now. And and these quarterbacks, we we're excited about what we've seen so far, but I think there's fair to have some questions, you know, Bryce young, he's at Alabama, but he's on the smaller side traditionally of what you want to see. And they haven't used his, his athleticism yet. And so you haven't seen him as one of these dual threat quarterbacks yet. Caleb Williams is putting it all out there right away. Oh, He's seeing yeah. that whole package immediately. And so that's a guy Who that would have thought that that would be the story. I mean, Spencer Rattler was supposed to be, we're supposed to be talking about him in a class. Of, and it's crazy how this has all gone down in the last three weeks. That, I'll say this. Been, if you look at the quarterbacks that come out of Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, like you just assume this is going to be a guy he gets from his, freshman true freshman year for three years in a Lincoln Riley system just everything was just like Spencer Riley was going to be that guy and you look at so my question was going to ask you earlier too because I'm tying this in is if Justin Fields had played at Oklahoma where would he have gone in last year's draft class well I you're asking the wrong guy because I think Ryan Day is a better offensive coach than Lincoln Riley so so it when it comes to NFL development and and the concepts and schemes that what you were seeing the Ohio State run and and I think that got lost a lot in the um, lead up because what Ohio State runs a lot of is um, they run a lot of wide receiver concepts out of the NFL they're doing a lot of yeah, it's pro style. Offense. They're running option routes with the wide receivers. And so Justin Fields, he had to hold on to the ball. To, so the wide receiver option would come up. And there were a lot of different layering throws that you would see out of that offense compared to really, you know, I'm, I'm a belief that that's the most advanced offense that we see in college football right now. And what's, Ryan Day is running because he's a guy that has had that NFL background, NFL pedigree. He's been all through the NFL. He's, I think he's coached at almost every single job in the NFL in, out short of being a head coach in the NFL. And so he's brought that into the college. And so I don't believe that, that I, I agree. I, I know where you're going. And it's like my guy, Josh Allen, I always say in that class, if Josh Allen was at Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield had been at Wyoming, Josh Allen would have been the one-on-one oh. without, without question. Like it would have been a yeah. generational Andrew Luck level. And so, and so I completely agree with where you're going. I don't know that. I think maybe if you're going to have that conversation, Trey Lance might be the guy that you have that conversation about that. Is he pushing if he was in Oklahoma system? Is he pushing Trevor Lawrence as the one one overall? Is he easily in front of Zach Wilson as the one two? That's the guy that I think they're that's where you're kind of playing with that scenario. I don't know what happened with Justin. I, I have heard I have heard everything you can imagine. I've heard that there are teams that were concerned because he's had epilepsy and they were concerned about those type of things. You guys know that. When you get in it, it's you're gonna nitpick the littlest things, and we often see that. I think a lot of what you see with decision makers in the NFL level, and particularly bad decision makers at the NFL level, is that 
if if their peers are going to be talking negatively about them, like they don't want to make that move. Like they don't want to be the guy that's being talked about at the water cooler. And so I think it's, for some reason, Justin Fields just ended up as that guy that if it's, I've heard whispers that the Broncos are a team that I heard were scared off because of epilepsy. I've yeah. heard just, you know, people were concerned about his work ethic and his, it, which was wild to me hearing those types of things because everything that you heard locally in Columbus last year, like this guy didn't leave his house for a year because he just wanted to play football and and during COVID. And it was one of those that like, even when campus had opened back up, he would go straight home like with his dog and study football because he just wanted to play football. And he, we're seeing it even now at the NFL. Well, he was a big reason why the big, yeah. He's a yeah. big reason why the big 10 played football last year. Yes. For two years, he whatever it was. Yeah, no, yeah. he was. Man, so it's just well. Hey, let's move on because we don't have much more time. Because I gotta watch my boys blue. I'm going crazy. I'm glad no one's messed with me and given us a score. But let's get in the NCAA championship real quick. Yeah. If you look at the current odds, uh, do you see anybody other than these five teams who really have a shot to win? And that being Georgia, Alabama, your team, Ohio State, Oklahoma, or Cincinnati. There's an NCAA any champ. Any chance a champ comes up from any team other than them? No, no, I. Yeah, no, no. I mean, no, I don't. I really don't. I think that the Pac-12. Okay, so with that being said, with that being said, who do you like? If you had to pick right now, you had to pick right. So. I feel like consensus would say Georgia just because what we've seen defensively from Georgia. My concern with Georgia is that, and I was kind of hoping we'd see it a little bit with Kentucky. And I talked about this last night is that we haven't seen any team that can capable of pushing them offensively. And so if they were getting to run the gamut between Alabama's offense, Oklahoma, Ohio state, if they were to have to go through all three right in a row is Stetson Bennett and, or JT Daniels, whoever they have at quarterback, are they going to be capable of these college, traditional college games that we've seen of late where you need to score 42 points, 45 points or whatever it might be and one back and forth. And so that's only my only hesitation on taking Georgia. I want to say Ohio state, but I'm worried about CJ Stroud in that after what we kind of saw at the end of the Oregon game, it seemed like the moment was too big for him and what we've seen defensively. I think of late after they made the, the move to make Matt Barnes, the defensive coordinator and, and have him call the plays during the Tulsa game. We've seen much more. It, the scheme has gotten a lot more complicated before they were sitting in either cover one or cover three. And it was very basic vanilla defense. And now they are starting to blitz guys again and those type of things. But we haven't seen talent wise on that side. Um, it, you're just not, it's not Georgia. So I would defer probably to Georgia if I had to pick one right now. I can get on board with that. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I don't know. I, at this point of the season, I think you're going to have right now. I see Cincinnati as the outside looking in and, and yeah, what you're going to see. If Georgia were to beat Alabama close, like then you're going to have a real conversation about if Cincinnati wins, wins out, because I think if Ohio State, Oklahoma went out, they're going to be there. If Georgia wins out, they're going to be there. And so if you have a two-loss Alabama versus an undefeated Cincinnati, you're going to have a conversation in that committee room. Okay, I'll tell you, this, is one, of the, this is one of the years where it just it doesn't seem like 
for both the championship title contention and then and then for the Heisman, it, it as an outside observer who is not plugged in and and can tell you that Georgia's got an incredible defense or this and that, it seems like a very down year in all regards. Yeah, what well, really what you saw, I think what you kind of saw was that middle tier have a lot more experience than typically because the guys were able to come back. And so the guys that weren't the NFL guys were able to come back, whereas you saw Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, all these guys went like normal and the program even kind of pushed some guys out because they needed those scholarships. And so really kind of what you saw early in the season were more experienced middle tier teams that were better equipped where, while the Ohio States of the world, the Clemson's of the world were breaking the, the next guys in. And, and normally those other games, they wouldn't have those experienced guys. And so you would just defer to traditionally what we've seen over the last couple of years, just the blue buds. I think now we're arriving at a point in the season where the talent has caught up. The kids have gotten comfortable the kids being out there. And so now you're starting to see the teams that traditionally that we kind of expected are starting to pull back away again, just because it's. What's up with Clemson? Are you surprised yeah. by what's going on in Clemson? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm surprised. I, I, I thought Georgia would beat them. I had picked that game before the season just because yeah, I am surprised. It raises some serious questions about the program right now and about, if that offense, you know, that offense, Chad Morris left there and they kind of went right into Trevor Lawrence. And you even look at Trevor Lawrence's freshman year. They, when they won the national championship, that was all def the defense wrote it. You know, they had the four guys in the defensive line that went in the first round, I think in the draft that year, that was the, uh, when they had Christian Wilkins and they had uh, Dexter Lawrence and all those guys on the defensive line. I think that what you've seen, what you're starting to see now, I've, I have some questions about Dabo scheme wise. Yeah. And I think that kind of what we see, you know, we saw it with urban Meyer. I think that, and Dabo's a little bit and, and Saban's the one guy that he's the best coach and he's been able to innovate and reset. But you see like some of these guys that they're going to do what got them there. And they're going to think that there's way is the best way. And once that kind of gets solved a little bit, they're not great at, transitioning and going a different way. And I think that's kind of what you're catching with Clemson. I think maybe evaluation might've been wrong a little bit on DJ Uyangalele. He might not be quite as good as we thought. Uh, I think there was last name? DJ Uyangalele. Man, nailed it. I like it. That was pretty good. Yeah. You've obviously yeah, practiced. You said yeah, it a few times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, well, yeah, I think yeah. that DJ Uyangalele. Yeah. But I yeah, think that, I like they, that they lost, um, that explosive the explosion from Travis Etienne out of the backfield. Sure. And I think they've struggled to have that guy that can be the home run hitter. And you go from Trevor Lawrence uh, to a, a young quarterback. I think they, you look at the talent, they don't have like the Hunter Renfro guy, like right now that can keep right. the moving the sticks. And, but they also don't have the Mike Williams guy that's winning downfield. It's just kind of, yeah. you know, they, they've got a lot of the same types of wide. They have a lot of these like six, four wide receivers, but they're not exactly, they're not, not able polished. to get them vertically you know well they're not polished but they're not even able to stretch the offense because there's no threat everybody's sitting on everything underneath and so it's just and i think dj's just the game is just moving too fast for him in a lot of what you're seeing and so it's just i don't know i don't know where that program's going because you it's you have crazy to cover you bring up dj and, and i three years ago i was coaching high school football in southern california 
Um, and at that time, I was able to go see a DJ or coach against a Bryce Young or a Mac. I mean, all these Southern California quarterbacks are lightening up. If you look at the Heisman odds right now, yeah. three of them are all Southern California quarterbacks. If you had to pick a Heisman right now, where are you going? If I had to pick a Heisman right now, I'm going to go with CJ Stroud because you look at the end of the season, they're playing five, five of the last seven games are against ranked teams. Three of them are in the top 10 right now. If he, if they run the table, he's, he's second Ohio state is second nationally in passing yards per game. He's their top eight in almost every single passing statistic. If they run the table through that, that schedule is going to look really good. The numbers are going to be there at the end. And we know that they're going to, the committee or the Heisman selection is going to go with a quarterback that's in the high, that's in the championship race 10 times out of 10, you know, Devonta Smith last year was the one outlier. Yeah. And so I think the counting numbers will be there. I think the quality wins at the end of the year will be there. And the, the it's so wide open right now that, that's where I'm going to go with my pick. It's crazy because I, I, for me, again, I keep calling myself an outside observer. And I, I like Coach Bruce talked, that's a softball day for me a lot of Saturdays, so I'm not able to watch much. But with that being said, this doesn't – I mean, you don't have a clear-cut guy yet. So if he runs a table, you get someone's got to have a Heisman moment for me to be like, okay – I'm okay with that. And I just haven't seen it as of yet from any of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough because competition level competition has changed that he's faced recently, but he's, he's put up some massive numbers in the last couple of games and it seems like they've gotten some things figured out there. And so um, Travion Henderson, I think unlocked a lot with that offense once they went to that move. And that's another guy that that's a 2024 running back, but that, that dude might be yeah, might be better than Bajan, you know, he's pushing right now. He's, he's special, special talent. Every time you talk great about someone from Ohio state, there's always that little, yeah, but you love Ohio state. So it's, yeah. It's kind of tough for me to get over that. It's like when he talks about his Dallas Cowboys, it's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I don't want to hear. Yeah. About you know, he sent some pretty decent talent to the NFL though. That's one of those yeah. that, you know, no, I'm not I, exactly I, shining um, up though, Iowa over yeah. here. Oh no. I Obviously, you know, I'm kidding. No, I got you. You're good. <laughs> well, Hey man, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, we just kind of want to always bring people in that we feel like we can learn from and, you're certainly one of the best. And, uh, man, thank you so much for coming on and giving us this time tonight. Hey, I'm appreciative. You're too kind. And thank you so much. You know, you guys are both respect the show so much and everything that you guys do. I love your voices in the community. And I'm thankful that I was able to share this time with you. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, man. Had a blast. Coach, are you going to be in a hotel again next week, Coach? Or are you going to be able to go home? I haven't decided yet. I'm supposed to be going out to California to see some customers, but I, I might take next week and, and stay in Arizona. So we'll see. Well, either way. If I do go to California, the good news is I get to drive to California because I prefer to do that than sit in an airport for an hour and a half waiting for a plane. So I'll have some bourbon. Well, let, let's, do, let's do the show together from my house if you're in California. Let's make that happen sometime. Appreciate you there as you always. Go. Have a safe trip home. Thank you again, Jeff. You guys have a great night. Go Dodgers.